Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Andy Stanley Leadership Podcast, a conversation designed to help leaders go further, faster. I'm Andy Stanley. And before we jump into today's content, I wanted to talk about a special offer from our friends at Belay. Now, as we all know, today's work environment is substantially different than it was just a few years ago. And with more organizations moving toward hybrid workforces, it is critical to know how to lead our teams well, whether they are working remotely or just down the hall, and this has been a challenge for all of us, right? One thing we've all learned is that productivity can soar even for the hybrid workplace, but the key is for us as leaders to learn how to equip our teams to maximize productivity and results while maintaining collaboration within the team, which is not an easy thing to do. But thankfully, our friends at Belay understand this. Now, Belay is an incredible 100% remote organization whose virtual assistant bookkeeping and social media manager services are revolutionizing productivity for growing organizations everywhere. And right now, they are offering their resource, Lead Anyone From Anywhere, to all of our podcast listeners for free. Now, in this ebook, you'll learn the four critical skills necessary to lead a hybrid team well, as well as many other helpful practices for the remote workplace. All you need to do is just text the word Andy to 55123 for your free copy today. That's Andy, A-N-D-Y, to 55123. Leading a successful hybrid workforce is possible, and it starts with belay. And now, let's jump into today's podcast episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Andy Stanley Leadership Podcast, where we help leaders go further, faster. I'm Andy, and I'm excited about this month because once again, I have my friend Patrick Lencioni in the studio to continue um, our conversation about creating healthy organizations. And let me just say, if you missed the preceding episode, I highly recommend you go back and listen to it first. But either way, thanks for joining us, Pat. It's great to be here. I love being here in person. It's so much fun. So much better, huh? Oh, it is. Yeah. I wish people could hear our offline conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it may be better than the podcast. The podcast I don't know. between the podcast. Yeah, the podcast <laughs> between the podcast. Hey, as I mentioned last month, if our listeners are like me, uh, most of them have read most of your books. But for those who are not familiar with Pat, he's one of the founders of The Table Group. He's a pioneer of the organizational health movement. He's authored 12 books, which have sold over 7 million copies and have been translated into more than 30 languages. As president of the Table Group, Pat spends most of his time speaking and writing about leadership, teamwork, and of course, organizational health and consulting with executives and their teams. So, Pat, last month we began a conversation around the four disciplines of a healthy organization, and we only got through the first one, which is create a cohesive leadership team. So, what is Discipline number two. Discipline number two is creating organizational clarity. And it should be done in conjunction with the first one because we get together to to make people behaviorally cohesive, but we don't do it through experiential training. We don't catch each other falling out of a tree or blindfold each other and hug and hold hands. It's about how do we answer real questions about the business or the organization while we're building this cohesiveness. And to do that, you have to answer six very simple questions but critical questions and make sure you're completely aligned around those. Because if there's any daylight between leadership team members around the answers to these questions, it can create real confusion in the organization. So these six questions should define clarity. And when there's agreement around the answer to these six, basically you have clarity. Yeah, you're rowing in the same direction. Which is important. Yes. (laughs) So the six questions, what are those? Well, the first one, it seems soft, but it's not. It's, It's why do we exist? 
And we will take this all the way from this at the As highest level. As an organization. Level. Yeah, why does this not place personally. exist? No, no, no. Okay. <laughs> We're not going that high. <laughs> That's right. Okay. Why does this organization exist? Why should we be here? And for some organizations, that's really easy. In a church, it's relatively easy. And in certain nonprofits, it's pretty easy. But in many organizations, they're like, I don't know. And they default to, I guess it's to make money to give us jobs. Yep. And that's a very bad answer. Because the question is, what gets people out of bed in the morning? And if we went away tomorrow, Jim Collins talks a lot about this, well, how would the world be any worse off? Yep. And every organization needs to know what that is because there becomes a time when people go, okay, it's not about the money today. And but I still got to get there. Oh, yeah. It's because the world needs this, and that's what our organization does. When you wrote about this, you said your answer to this question should be just short of to make the world a better place. Yes. When we discussed this in our leadership team, that was, again, it took us as high as we could possibly go in our thinking and still stay in our lane as an organization. That somehow right. the answer to that question has to have some purpose behind it that is just short of and make the world a better place, right. which in most organizations, if they're true to their mission and vision, they do make the world a better place because the world needs that product. The world needs that service. Exactly. Southwest Airlines, I like to use them as an example because they started their company. They were pretty late to the airline game, but they were troubled, Herb Kelher, the founder, with the fact that wealthy people could travel, but others couldn't. So if you had a small business, you couldn't go visit your customer. If your aunt died and you didn't have a lot of money, you might not go to the funeral. So theirs was this. We exist to democratize travel. Mm. And that's what will make the world a better place. There you go. Yeah. And so, and, and what the problem is people try to cram everything into an answer like this. No, no, keep it simple. It doesn't have to be unique. And here's the key, Andy. It's not to put on a poster. It's so everybody in your organization has it in their gut and their mind and their heart. And they walk in every day. And I, I heard this about you, by the way, that you would start your, your staff meetings and you remind people, this is why we exist. Yeah. And that's a great thing. Every time you get together, remember, folks, here's why we exist. Yeah. Suddenly it centers everything you're talking about. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Because people lose their way. So we're talking about the questions every organization, people in the organization or on a leadership team should answer the same way in order to have clarity. And clarity is the second discipline of organizational yes. health. So why do we exist? What's the second question? Is how do we behave? Now, this is one that can take you down a, a what, what is that, a rat hole or a rabbit hole, I guess. Yeah, either that, one. You don't want to yeah. go down. Yeah. Either of those holes yeah. is not a good one. <laughs> <laughs> but people talk about values. And, and then they, so many organizations come up with a list of 12. Yep. And the problem with that. That no one can remember. Exactly. And they're, they're generic. They had a thesaurus, you know, really thick, and they came up with every good word in the world. I've seen it in so many organizations. But what we're really trying to get to is what are the two or three, and sometimes you can have more, behavioral values that you will not be tolerant of. I like this because diversity is great, except not around your core values. So what are you willing to not be diverse around? You could say, boy, we welcome all kinds of people to work here. As long as yeah, right. you can ascribe to this in terms of your behavior. Because not every organization should be for every person. And the problem is if you have an organization without core values, you don't know who to attract and you don't know who to repel. Because every organization should repel the right people and attract the right people. But if you don't know what those one or two or three core values are, it's tough to know. So years ago, um, our organization is 27 years old. So probably, I don't know, 12 years ago, I felt like our values, our value statements had gotten a little stale. They needed some wordsmithing. So I bring them back out to the leadership team to say, hey, 
let's start this discussion over, which is a horrible thing to do because this could go for, this can take months, oh, right? Oh, yeah. This is the hole we can go down. And to. so as we began traveling down that road, it occurred to us, we don't need to rethink our values. We need to come up with, to your point, some staff behavior. So I asked the question, what are the behaviors that if everybody on this staff behaved this way consistently would facilitate what we're trying to accomplish? Right. And so these ended up being elevated above our, quote, organizational values, but they embodied the value because it's difficult to measure a value. It is not yeah. difficult to measure a behavior. Right. You either are or you aren't. So we shifted them. So we came up with six. And you talked about three and we put them on a cube, make it better, take it personally, collaborate, remain open-handed, replace yourself, stay fit. So these are these are the behaviors. They stem from our values, but they bring extraordinary organizational clarity around how we're behaving as a staff. So this is a this is a really important part of creating um, clarity. But to your point earlier, this is not a casual conversation. This isn't an afternoon we're going to come up with this. This was, I mean, this really was months to narrow it down to those things that we thought um, basically illustrated our values and our behavior. And what I love is how you described them because I've never heard those. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you, you go to a company and they say innovation, integrity, teamwork. Yeah, it's right. like, oh, yeah, yeah, those yeah, are words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you say like take it personally. Like, oh, I get that. Yeah. This should bother you if yeah. it's not going well. Stay fit. Like, I don't even know what that one is, but I know you do. And I know people are like, so if you were to say, what do you mean by stay fit? What would you say? Yeah. So it's stay fit in terms of your personal life, in terms of your spiritual life, in terms of take care of yourself. If I don't take care of myself, then I'm no good at work, right? right. I mean, my what I do personally impacts what we do professionally and what we do corporately. So, hey, I want you to stay fit. And if we're doing something corporately that undermines your ability to stay fit emotionally, that's our problem. Your yeah. problems become our problem. So it's it's that it's that kind of a thing. Having good values, why how do we behave? Mm-hmm allows you to have great conversations with people around their behavior in the organization. Right. It's because up front. P- everybody talks about performance reviews and all these other things. Yeah. What it should be is around these. Because if a person is doing all of those things, good things are going to happen. If you've hired the right people. Exactly. So we're talking about clarity because you have to have clarity for organizational health. Yep. And to have clarity, you're asking these six questions. Why do we exist? How do we behave? And what's the uh, third question? What do we do? And, and, and this one will be fairly easy for many organizations. Like, what business are we really in? Gotcha. And, and I always say, I don't want any verbs, I mean, any adjectives or adverbs, just verbs and objects. You know, we have churches in the Atlanta, greater Atlanta area, or whatever else it is. And some organizations are like, yeah, this one's a no-brainer. But we've worked with organizations that go to define it. And I always say, everybody write down the answer to this question. And it's Crazy how sometimes people be on different pages. I thought we were a services company. No, I think we're products. I, I think we're actually an education firm. No, we're not one of those. So it just forces people to go, okay, we got to make sure we're on the same page. This is probably the easiest of all the questions. It's easy-ish. Getting the terminology to where people can carry it around and memorable and portable. So for us, our answer to that question is we engage people in the life and mission of our local church. That's it. We engage people in the life, that is, this is part of your life, and the mission. We want you on mission. We engage people in the life and mission of a local church. And each of our local churches then has their name in that sentence. But you know what? That wasn't easy you know, that begins with a paragraph and it becomes some sentences, but boiling it down to, so what What are we coming to work to do? We're engaging people in life and mission of our local church. So that's the what we do. And that brings clarity. And if a person can't connect their job description to that sentence, then we have some work to do, right? Exactly. And and the funny thing is it's all so simple. And yet that 
there's elegance and simplicity, and yes, it takes yes. work to make it simple. What it, was it Lincoln who said, I'm sorry this letter's so long I didn't have time to make it shorter? Yeah. Well, anybody can write a really bad mission statement. <laughs> yeah. But you, you say, how do we make sure that every word has meaning and it's all true? Yep. And when you see it d well done, leaders will look at that and go, I'd give my left leg to make ours that simple. Yep. And they don't think they can. They just haven't taken the time. Okay, yep. so moving on. Question number four that brings clarity, and clarity is the second, the second discipline of organizational health. Question four is? Is how will we succeed? Hmm. And we, we ask these in questions like this because the word that this is drawn from is strategy, which is almost a useless word now. Because everybody goes, strategy, what's strategy? And it could be anything. It could be some people think of strategy as really tactics. Some, some people think of strategy as, as finances or whatever else. What we're saying here is how will we succeed? How will we go about this in a way that will make us unique versus competitors and give us the best chance to succeed? Okay. And so we actually, and I've seen yours. I love yours because it really makes it clear. Yeah, it, ours is endear the community, inspire our audience, and equip the core. This is our strategy. Endear the community, inspire our audience, whatever your audience is in our different departments, and equip the core. But again, answering the question, how do we succeed, that's not the, – the language isn't intuitive. It takes a lot of time. And I yes. think to, to your point, being clear requires a, a huge commitment. It's just easier not to be clear and just everybody just go back to work. Exactly. Because we all know what we need to be working Do, on. We know, yeah, yeah. But is yeah. it really aligned? Yeah. And in the book, The Advantage, we talk, we give a lot of examples of this. But it's like what I love about yours is – the purpose of having that strategy is to actually to empower. I hate using that word almost because it's been used in the wrong way. To empower people to make decisions. Because when you say that's how we do it at North Point, anybody in any ministry can look at that and go, okay, if we're going to do this right, we better make sure it's aligned with that yeah. community All stuff. Right. Is it inspirational? Yeah. If yeah. I'm teaching kindergartners about the faith, right. make sure it does those things. Southwest Airlines has three very simple ones. And – Employees at Southwest will answer a customer's question like, Can, why don't you guys do this? And they'll use those three things mm -hmm. to explain the answer. And customers are like, that's a great answer. So people don't ne necessarily need a yes. They just need to know that you're actually being intentional. And that's what having a strategy is about. How can you make everybody empowered to be intentional in all their decisions? We don't do this on purpose. Thanks for asking. Exactly. <laughs> well, it's not that we haven't thought about it. We thought about it, and then we decided not to do it. But exactly. thanks for asking. Exactly. <laughs> and people are like, great answer. Yeah. So we will jump right back into my conversation in just a moment. As I mentioned at the top of the broadcast, our sponsor, Belay, is offering a free download of their latest book, Lead Anyone, Anywhere. And with this ebook, you'll learn four critical skills necessary to lead a hybrid team. All you need to do is text Andy to 55123 for your free copy today. That's Andy, A-N-D-Y, to 55123. Again, that's Andy, A-N-D-Y, to 55123. Leading a successful hybrid workforce is possible, and it starts with Belay. We're talking about the five questions to ask that create clarity, and clarity is the second the discipline of a of healthy organization. So this fifth question, I love. In fact, this question sits at the top of every agenda. I lead three different teams right now, and this before I get you know I have the date. Here's what we're talking about today. I heard this about you. And right above the date is this question: What's most important right now? Right. What's most important right now? I just think bringing that question into a discussion with a team. 
whether you're in the middle of a project, beginning, it's just everybody may not answer it the same way, but that's what I'm curious about. What do you think is most important right now? So this is the the fifth question that brings clarity. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, we call it the rallying cry, and that is every organization should know at any given period of time what their biggest priority is. And we came to this because we realized that organizations in crisis were usually really good at aligning people because the crisis was all over the place and everybody knew there it is, that crisis. And we thought, why would you wait for a crisis to get everybody aligned? And instead of creating a false crisis, we said, have a single answer to the question. And it it can last anywhere from three to nine months. The most important thing in our organization for the next six months is this. And and it might be invest in infrastructure, get more customers, turn, become profitable. Um, it could be anything. But if everyone in every department is answering it differently, yep. you're not rowing in the same direction. Right. Right now, ours is increase the number of active adults. That's our, that's our rally cry right now, between now and May. It's, and, it's that simple. What's most important right now in this organization? That's it. And when it's that clear, then again, the gravitational pull is toward that thing that we've set out there is what's most important. And someone might say, well, I do children's ministry. And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know it. But I want you to, while you're doing your children's ministry, that's your day job, I want you to be thinking, how do I get their parents to be that's, active adults? That's exactly See, right. when, when you have an organization, when everybody's doing that, suddenly you've got thousands of people working on the most important priority. And thinking about it. Yes. Yes. All right. So, and again, the two of us could sit down and talk about each of these for 35 minutes because there's so much to it. And whenever I talk to you or have these conversations, <laughs> I walk away and take notes. I wish I could take notes and talk to you. But anyway, <laughs> got to keep going. So um, there are six questions that you have to ask to create clarity. Clarity is the second discipline in a healthy organization. The sixth question is? Is who must do what? Okay, now that we've decided, here's why we exist, how do we behave, what do we do, how are we going to succeed, and what's the most important thing, who around this table has to do what? And I will tell you something, Andy, two years ago, I wouldn't have had the same answer to this question Hmm. because working genius is the thing like, okay, if we need to get that done, who's best at coming up with the idea, at at evaluating the plan, at getting people rallied around it, of answering the call and, and pushing it through to the end, regardless of what their job title is, let's organize who does what not around a job title, but around what needs to get done and yep. who's best at that. The organizational charts are virtually useless and oftentimes get in the way. They're necessary. You got to have them. But once you've established it, you pretty much ignore it in order to get great things done. Uh, because as you've illustrated, especially talking about the working geniuses, if, if you don't have somebody who represents one of the six on the team, you got to reach down at the organization, find them, or, exactly. or, or something's going to fall through the cracks. And you make their day. You're using it. It's the craziest thing. It's like, do you want to do this? They're like, are you kidding? Yeah. That would be the best thing I could ever do. You want me to come to that meeting with those people? Absolutely. So the four disciplines of a healthy organization, number one, cohesive leadership team. We spent our previous conversation talking about that. Number two is create clarity. And number three and four underscore the importance of clarity because clarity is an organization's best friend to some extent. And clarity is a leader's best friend to some extent. So what are the third and fourth disciplines? Okay, so once you do the first two, you've got it made. And so not to do the next two would be crazy. The third one is over-communicate that. 
Clarity. What is that? The yeah. clarity. Yeah, right. See those six questions? Everybody should walk around and talk about it constantly. Repeat it. We, we like to say if you're the CEO of an organization, you're the CRO, which is the chief reminding officer. Just constantly reiterate, yeah. constantly catch people and say, oh, yeah, remember our values. This is how we do this. Oh, that didn't quite align with that. Remember why we do what we do. Remember what our what our strategic anchors are, are how we're going to succeed. Remember who has to do what. Remember what our your, think about how often Jesus did this all the time right? The best communicators, and I don't like to use Jesus as an example because it kind of cheapens that it's God, the Son of God, but, but, <laughs> but he did not go around saying, oh, I'm tired of this message. Yeah. yeah. One of the things I recently realized was he told his parables more than once. Yes. Yeah. If you take the gospels and shrink it down, that took about a two weeks, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. He was here three and a half years. What was he doing the rest of the time? He was repeating those messages over. And that's why people think, now, how did, did they write all that down? I'm like, no, they didn't have to write it down. They heard those messages over and over and over and over. They, those, those messages were ingrained in their heads to your point, because, hey, at three and a half years to establish a vision for the world. And so he went back to it over and over. Now, this is something that as much as I believe this and as much as I've taught this, I still feel like, oh, I've already said that. I've already said that. I've already said that. I'm, I'm going to sound like a broken record. And I just think leaders have to get comfortable sounding like a broken record or they're just not going to do it enough. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. In fact, until you're sure. Wait, maybe I should just, maybe I need to explain to some of our listeners what a broken record is. <laughs> yeah, that's right. right. There Never used to mind. be these black, <laughs> yeah. no, they're into it again now. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's into, true. That's true. Now. But I, I find this to be the, the case. And like my family makes fun of me, like pretty harshly. <laughs> my kids are like, hey, watch dad explain this one again. Yeah. And yet it's not until people in an organization go, yeah, Andy's probably going to say this right now that you've done it enough. And so as leaders, we have to realize our job isn't to be cool. Our job is to make sure that it's so clear to everybody that they can do a good impression of us when yep. we're not around. Yep. So most people don't like to, to over-communicate. And, and that leads to the fourth yes. discipline, which comes back to clarity, which is reinforce clarity. So it's over-communicate it, reinforce it. Over-communicate it, reinforce it. What do you mean by reinforce? And what's the distinction between over-communicate and reinforce? So over-communicate is a personal thing where you're, you're saying it to them and you're leading and you're reminding them. Reinforcing is a structural thing. Now, my eyes roll back in my head when you say structural because it sounds bureaucratic. But here's the key. Those six questions, you have to institutionalize those yep. without bureaucratizing them. Yep. I don't know who said that, I wish I could give credit to whoever said that first, but you have to institutionalize it. So it's like, okay, if this is why we exist, how do we, how do we build that into what we do? If these are our values, where is that in some practical way in our hiring, in our performance review, when we let somebody go? If this is our, our thematic goal, our rallying cry, how do we build that into how things get done here? Yeah, how do we reinforce that? Um, in the rhythm of the organization. Exactly. What do we reward? How do we reward it? How publicly, you know, it's one thing to send somebody an email. It's another thing to pull them up in a meeting and say, hey, before we go any further, this was such a great example of make it better. I just had to tell the story and thank Susan for what she did. Just building those things into the rhythm. Exactly. And when you do that, and it's simple, you got to keep it simple. And, and it's a discipline. It takes care of itself. Is, is So you look at a company, if you told me, here's a company, Pat, and you can invest in them, what do you want to know about them? I'd say, does the leadership team, are they cohesive? Are they on the same page around what they're trying to do? Do they talk about it all the time? And are there a few things in place to reinforce this? If so, that is going to be a resilient, successful organization, which we call healthy. Wow. And, and that's really what it comes down to. It's pretty simple, 
but it's, it's difficult because you got to do it every day. And it's up to the leader. That's the leader's number one job is to make their organization happy. So a cohesive leadership team, create clarity, over-communicate clarity, reinforce clarity. As we wrap this up, Pat, anything you want to add as it relates to organizational health, even if it has nothing to do with anything we've talked about, because you are loaded when it comes to this topic. It's just amazing. Just talk to the, the organizational leaders, regardless of where they are in their organization that have any kind of leadership team. What's your charge? What's, what's inspire them? And that is have the courage not to think that the success of your organization is based on your intelligence or the tactical decisions you make, but it's going to be based on your character and your ability to build a healthy organization through day-to-day simple disciplines. Wow. For all of us B students, that's very encouraging because there is the pressure to feel like we have to be the smartest person in the room. Right. You know, if you look at the best companies in the world, they're usually not the smartest ones. They're the, they're the ones that, are, that keep things simple and have the most integrity to keep it whole. Wow. And then the security to surround yourself with people who are smarter than you. Yeah, which I definitely do. Yeah. <laughs> it's easy for people like us. <laughs> All right. Well, as we close, um, Pat, thank you so much for actually coming to Atlanta and being in the studio with me today. It was so much fun. And I want to encourage our listeners to make sure you get Pat's brand new book, The Six Types of Working Genius. And if you will go to workinggenius.com, you can find an assessment tool that you can take. And I guarantee you, Um, You take this assessment, when you discover what you discover about yourself and your personal working genius, you are going to want your entire leadership team to take this personal assessment. I think probably 50% or more of our staff has taken the assessment and it has become part of our language. And as you know, part of a strong culture is the language that's used in that culture. And the working genius language, it has permeated our culture, which I'm so grateful for. And as always, don't forget to visit the andystanley.com website where you can download the leadership podcast application guide that goes with today's content. Thanks for listening and make sure you join us next month on the Andy Stanley Leadership Podcast. We'll be right back.